in terms of a need to kind of create transparent, simple financial services built on a cutting edge technology that, that really delivers value. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is Chris D'Antuano again with Currency Cloud. And today I'm delighted to have Rocky Motwani, a finance professional, here with me. Rocky, how are you today? I'm good, Chris. How are you doing today? I am doing well, thanks. I appreciate you coming on the show. Sure, happy to do it. Great. So I have Rocky here. Rocky is an experienced financial technology professional. Rocky, if you can give our audience a, a brief background of uh, you know where you come from, what you're doing, and then where you're going moving forward. Yeah, sure. So I spent a, a good part of my career at J.P. Morgan, uh, where I was managing director in their transaction banking, ran a number of different payments products for them. Uh, escrow, foreign exchange. Prior to that, uh, spent about uh, five years out with McKinsey and Company in Silicon Valley, working with technology firms, um, strategy, uh, and a whole host of other issues. And that was kind of around .com 1.0. Uh, but now what I'm most excited about is I'm the uh, co-founder and president of Chico. Uh, and we are trying to disrupt banking with a, with a pretty unique concept. And how do you spell that? J-I-K-O. Chico? J-I-K-O. Chico. It's the Japanese word for self, which is at the center of, of the experience we're trying to create. Okay. And if you could talk a little bit about the uh, the product that you're looking to uh, move forward with. Yeah, sure. So Chico, uh, it's all about giving the customer, the user control over their money and their data. So it's fully licensed. Uh, we plan on acquiring a U.S. bank and also have applied to be a broker-dealer. So it's kind of a fully licensed, regulated financial institution um, that really relies on a unique business model that we can talk about. Uh, but at the center of all this is the GECO, which is giving each user their own private distributed backend. So everybody gets a GECO. Chris, you would get one. I get one. It runs applications. It stores data. It's completely isolated. Uh, so if you were to get hacked, you got to get hacked one at a time. So there's no central databases anywhere in our technology. Uh, and really what it gives the user is control over their data. And then on an individual level, control over where their money is actually invested and how it's used. Uh, it's very interesting. And it seems like there's a need uh, for that given um, you know, the, the way um, the companies have been working recently and as far as data control. Um, it kind of brings up a good point about uh, the transparency within the fintech uh, world we have currently and the way we're moving as far as more transparency for the customer in, in regards to you know where the banking relationships have been. So where do you see right now as far as uh, financial service products, as far as the advantage to having transparency? Well, it's, it's interesting, Chris. Um, in many ways, we, we think transparency is you know the biggest hindrance to innovation that's existed. It's been the big thing that folks have been trying to solve for you know, I've been in the industry for going on 15 years. It feels like it's still the big topic of the day uh, for at least the next five or 10 years as you think about things like blockchain, et cetera, right? So the financial services value chain is so complicated with so many different players taking, you know, parts of the value, mostly for themselves, very little actually getting back to the consumer. And we look at that and say, well, that's, that's a fundamental problem. The technology seems to be there, uh, but the business models, the mindsets, and the willingness to create the transparency for customers 
um, you know, it, it feels like it's been one, one hill too big to climb for, for many folks, and, and we're still kind of attacking it. Yeah, I agree. And, and and on our side is what you know we're seeing is the need for companies to want to know you know where and when uh, the funds are getting transparent and, and and moved and at what time and and where do you see coming from the banking world and in the larger corporate world where do you see the acceptance uh, from where it was and where we're going as far as the relationship uh, with you know up and coming fintech uh, organizations like like yourself and, and over here at Currency Cloud. Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, you guys are a bit a bit further along than we are in terms of, of how long you've been at this. I think what's, um, what's exciting is that it's made a dent, right? So Currency Cloud attacking FX spreads and a number of other players out there all, all trying to create this transparency. We finally got the industry to act, right? And the industry being, you know, the, some of the places that I used to work, uh, you know, back in the day. So you're, you're finally seeing a reaction to say, hey, we, we need to address this problem. Consumers are demanding it. Businesses are demanding it. So there's definitely been a reaction, but I just can't, at this point, I can't say that the incumbents are, are really reacting aggressively enough, aggressively enough or fast enough um, for what the market's demanding. So I think there's still a lot of room for folks such as yourself and, and a need for folks such as ourselves to keep driving and creating this transparency, which then just becomes the building block for building a whole new financial services landscape, right? I think it starts with transparency, but really that, that's kind of the, you know, uh, a ticket to play if you have to provide transparency. But I think there's still a lot of room for, for players like us uh, and yourself to keep to keep delivering the trust on that simple value proposition. Yeah, and, and you know specifically as as we move into you know specific industries and specific sectors, uh, you know if you look at uh, specific loan companies that are coming in to basically categorize um, the importance of you know that's what they're doing and taking different parts, I guess, away from the banking world, uh, but trying to create this partnership with the bank. You know, saying that you know we, we do this uh, well and we do it specifically well. We're able to cater towards this market and put basically all the eggs in our basket in, in this market. Um, you know, where do you see as far as specific relationships with the bank, uh, the trust coming in, saying you know what they 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 do this industry and they do it really well. That kind of bridge uh, between the bank and, and the, those type of products. Yeah, so you know, we we have an interesting saying here inside Tico, right? We always remind ourselves that that money is not music, right? People work hard for their money. Um, it's really close to their hearts. It's you know, it's something they really want trusted financial services players to be handling for them, moving for them, whether they're borrowing, lending, investing, whatever it is. And that's why you know you need regulated financial institutions, which is what we are aiming to become. Um, the industry has had a lack of uh, truly regulated players to be able to provide that trust. But that trust is critical. So consumers and businesses have been willing to exchange higher fees, costs, opaqueness, simply because they trust the bank to store and store their money securely and not misuse it. And that's been proven wrong, right? Over the, over the last decade or so, there, there's been plenty of instances of people's funds not being used appropriately or being overcharged or fake accounts being opened up. Uh, so the industry as a collective has, you know, has done their best to try to get people to, to not trust them, but by and large, you say the word bank, people still trust a bank, and they like to know that their money's with a regulated financial institution. Yeah, and, and you know it is about building that trust and, and kind of putting um, the relationships and building on the relationships, specifically within um, industries uh, that we target. Um, you know, with us here, you know, going through the, the cross-border world is is kind of sporadically trying to create relationships and build upon those. Um, where we see relationships build, we kind of 
um, build on those relationships in the geographies that we do. Um, for you yourself, are you seeing any traction in specific areas, whether it's here in the U.S. or global, uh, that seem to be more keen to uh, open up relationships with, with fintechs like yourself? I think there's there's a long list of of companies and customers who who want to open accounts with us, right? We're we're actually in alpha, right? So we're, we're kind of moving through alpha and hopefully we'll be in beta soon. Uh, but we've got a, a relatively long wait list, um, both on the consumer side and then also businesses who are asking how they could partner with us over time. So there's there's a clear market demand, and the numbers bear it out with other folks who've, who've been doing this a little bit longer than ourselves in terms of a need to kind of create transparent, simple financial services built on a cutting-edge technology that, that really delivers value. So there's no shortage of demand. I think the, the, the thing that takes a bit of time, right, and, and we, you know, as we are um, making our way through this world, is as a regulated financial institution, you do need to put the right controls in place. You need to get the regulators on board. Um, you need to get the business model right to prove that you can actually be a, you know, a long-term sustainable business, right? Not, not just get a lot of users, but you're not making a lot of money, and then you end up you end up basically not being able to secure people's money the way they thought they, they wanted you to. And that's kind of the effort. So I think there's been steady progress made over the last five years. Um, you know, and, and I think the blockchain world kind of is trying to build on that to a certain extent, right? At least from a technical perspective. But I think there's a, there's a long way to go in terms of the number of people and businesses that, that still want these services. I agree. And you did mention that, you know, we, we create these uh, technology services to help uh, facilitate uh, the needs in, in the financial world, but we all do need that backing of a regulated entity. So the impact is there for the technology, but how do you see the regulation side of things, whereas um, fintechs being treated as a financial institution, or would, do you think there'll be some sort of new regulation that'll be created to be able to facilitate and bridge that gap? So, you know, I think in a, a broad perspective, we believe regulation in the industry is good. So, you know, Folks often ask, you know, why doesn't uh, Google or Amazon or, or one of these players really get, you know, much more into the industry beyond just kind of facilitating payments or wallets and, and really become a bank? And, and the big reason is most companies that start out as technology companies uh, don't want the regulation associated with it because the regulation applies not just to your banking activities, but applies to all your activities. Um, and a lot of the fintechs kind of touch on that, right, where they, they also are willing to be somewhat licensed, right, maybe get a money transmitter license. Um, but it's also a big leap to go and get a banking license where, you know, we at Chico, we're taking a slightly opposite view, right? We're saying, let's, we are a technology company, but we want to start as a bank. And by starting as a bank, or at least getting as close to that, that bar as possible, we're saying the regulations are actually positive. They build trust. They build the right frameworks, um, the right um, practices, et cetera, in, inside the company, right? To be able to operate at that level will then turns into a, a real value prop for the consumer where they can say, or the business, and so actually, this is a trusted financial services entity. Not only do I get the various insurances that are provided, but really I know that I'm, I'm, I'm operating or opening an account somewhere where the government is involved. And that actually gives a lot of people comfort. So, you know, when we look at the, the, the regulatory landscape to answer your question around, you know, do we need new regulations or do the existing ones work? If you look at the regulatory landscape between, um, you know, whether it be the OCC, the Federal Reserve, FDIC on the banking side, CFPB as well, or be on the, the broker-dealer investing side, the SEC slash FINRA, et cetera, they're, they're, the regulations exist to manage and regulate the industry. So it doesn't seem like there needs to be a, a new set of regulations. There probably still does need to be something, I wouldn't call it a lower bar, but something that reduces the burden 
to help some some of these companies get out of the gate a little bit, right? To kind of really prove that they've got a beta or a working product until they can afford to actually, you know, grow into a fully regulated financial services company. But it's not it's not new regulations. It's probably just you know something a, a little bit of a lighter charter or lighter bar to help them, um, you know, kind of get their get their foot off the ground to a certain extent to the extent they can't do what we're doing, which is trying to be a bank, become a bank on day one. Yeah, that makes sense. As you typically see, uh, you know, a technology company start, and then as they begin to scale, there's a need for the regulation or partner to become regulated. At some point, uh, they have to make that decision. And I think the way you're going about it, uh, kind of the flip side is uh, opposite direction, but uh, understanding that there's a need inevitable. So why not take care of that day one? Uh, rather than walking into that issue, uh, you know, in a couple of years. And, and there's a couple of reasons for that, just to kind of, you know, really crystallize it. If you don't own your licenses or have a really, really deep partnership, which is very difficult to get, and very few folks have it, but if, if you don't own the licenses, you really don't control your product destiny, right? You don't control your business model. Uh, you don't even control your technology. Your partners typically, you know, make you integrate to their technology, which means you, you can build a really great front end, but in your back end, you're, you're really relying on something built 30 or 40 years ago, right, which has lots of holes, lots of weaknesses, needs to be patched. Uh, your product features, it gets really hard to offer new products in the financial services world if you, don't, if you aren't a licensed entity because you, you need your partner bank to basically um, authorize you to issue new products, right, or take on new customers. So it really gets limiting in terms of what you can do over time to become a full, you know, full service financial services company for your customers. It does, yes, and and you know you're not making like you said those ultimate decisions that can impact your business as you're always relying on a, a third party or the partnership to be able to make those decisions, which makes it difficult, kind of steering out your own direction and let's say a, a pipeline of you know three to five years expectations. Um, you can't really make those own decisions, so it's really fascinating to see that this is the decision that you've made. Um, to move forward, understanding you know the long run, you can kind of own uh, the full source of of your product. So it's really really interesting to hear. Um, well, Rocky, I appreciate you coming on the show today. If you could, for our listeners, if you could give them um, your contact information or the best way to contact you guys of interest with uh, to keep up with my Gico. Yeah, sure, happy to do it. Uh, happy to be here. So you can reach me at Rocky at Gico J I K O dot I O. Uh, happy to answer questions or, or respond to any inquiries folks may have. And you can visit our website, uh, which is the same, Chico at uh, Chico.io. And we look forward to adding people to the wait list and engaging with everyone soon. Great. Well, thanks again, Rocky, for coming on. We'll be in touch soon. Great. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at CurrencyCloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.